0: everybody. Welcome to another week's The Live Life Aggressively Show. Sincere Hogan. Not Hogan, but I actually have a first name. <laughs> sincere. You know, for those who may have been a little confused after the last episode, like, wait, a minute, I thought his name was Sincere. So have I been getting it wrong all this time? No, you have not. It, it I have a first name. Dr. Dr. Mark Gordon was doing
1: that, too.
2: He goes, is Hogan? is Hogan yeah. going to be joining us? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean that, that sounds exactly like old high school culture. Hogan, like, Hogan. It, it. <laughs>
1: so, yeah.
0: so yeah, man. And also got my co-host Mike Marlowe, on the line. What's up? I'm doing dude? good, man.
2: I'm coming off a fun weekend. I saw Slayer at the joints in Las Vegas with my good friend Dave Gunter. That was fun. Slayer always brings out you want to talk about fun people watching. And the place was packed, man. The line to get in was so long that we just went and had a couple drinks at the bar for an hour and a half before even trying to enter the venue. But what's funny is we're walking down the hallway, and I had this Nails t-shirt on. Nails is a hardcore thrash metal band. Anyway, it's a cool shirt, so you you often get stopped. Whenever whenever I wear it, people go, oh, where do you get that? So this one Eastern European guy comes up to me, drunk off his ass. And I hate talking to drunk people. They're so fucking annoying. But anyway, this guy, from what I could gather, he was saying, where do you get that shirt? And I told him where to get it. And then I walked off. And then he goes, hey, man, don't walk away from me like I'm a piece of garbage. You know? <laughs> and I was like, what are you talking about, man? I told you where to get the shirt. What do you want? And then Dave, Dave, my friend Dave Guthrie, is like, I think he wants to buy your shirt. I was like, well, look, dude, I'm not going to take my shirt off here and sell it to you, motherfucker. OK, <laughs> that's not happening. And then the, the, it's one of those things where like you're talking to a drunk guy. And you, you get your point across, and then he just has this befuddled look because it's taking him an extra 10 seconds to process what you just <laughs>
1: right.
2: said. I just said what I had to say, looked him dead in the eye, and then like 10 seconds later, it registered. He's like, oh, okay. I was like, Jesus. I was like, why do I always pull these people out whenever I go anywhere? Man? But it was a fun show. It's it's interesting because the first time I ever heard Slayer, I was in seventh grade. You know, I was 13 years old, 12, 13. And I – I would never would have thought that at 42 I would still be listening to them and that at 42 (laughs) they'd still be performing and still Still, be drawing a lot of things. 42, they're still alive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) These guys have got to be some of them have to be pushing 60. And I tell you what, they still sound great and the place was packed. So they there's something to be said about staying loyal to your audience. And what I mean by that is a lot of bands. Tried they just sold out, frankly. You know, they made music that got them on the map and then they just sold out to try to get a bigger audience and then they lost their original audience. Slayer Slayer oh, they never tried to keep sold. Up with yeah, the Slayer. Slayer never sold out. No matter what trends were going on, Slayer was always Slayer. And as a result, thirty years later, they still have a huge following and they can sell out the joint. I've seen Lincoln Park at the same venue, and there were more people for Slayer than Lincoln Park. So it's pretty impressive.
0: And also, they kind of came through during a time where, you know, you actually had fans who were actually loyal to mm-hmm. the group. Whereas this day, you know, in this day and age, man, there are so many groups that come right, and go. Right. It's, it's hard for fans to even be loyal if they wanted to be, because once they find a group that they really, really like and, hey man, I'm gonna go just support these guys, blah, 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 they're gone. You know, or they were a manufactured group in the first place. They weren't even a real (laughs) group. There were these, they went and handpicked all these kids or they all won off some TV show, some reality show and they threw them together and, and then then they're gone. And then everybody's kind of like, well, what the hell happened? So now a lot of fans in today's age, they don't, they don't wanna get, they don't wanna get attached to someone. It's kind of like a, they're like foster groups. It's like, you know, let's not get attached to that group because they're gonna end up going away anyway. Or they, so. Yeah, they make like and super so they, group
2: they, makes one record and then that's it. So it's like why bother? It's exactly. like you got invested in this band and and then they never tore, they never made another record. Then you move so, on yeah, to next.
0: so that, that's the kind of thing that that's what pissed me off, like with the Velvet Revolvers and the Audio right, Slaves. Right. It's like, okay, this is a really good concept. It's a really good group. And then, you know, you had you know, like Scott Weiland couldn't get his stuff together, you know, for Velvet Revolvers. So you kind of like, damn, you know, you kind of feel bad for Slash. Like, you just, you just can't get it right <laughs> with your lead singers, man.
2: Well, you know, the problem is with these super groups is you tend to have these big egocentric personalities coming together. Exactly. Right? So now you have four people and you with didn't come huge egos coming together into a band, and everyone wants to do it a certain way. Plus, let's just be honest, it's. I'm surprised any band stays together, to tell you the truth, because – yeah four, people, yeah, 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 four people. Yeah, four people.
0: They're to get, not even right. organically, yeah, friends or anything like that. They kind of just put together. Whereas, at least with a band, some of you probably have known each other since elementary school or you know daycare or something like this. So you kind of, you kind of know that person. You kind of know, like, I already knew this guy was an asshole, but hey, I've known him all my life. You know, so you know, we were friends before all right, this other right. stuff. So that's why they can kind of survive. That's right. You know, throughout everything, you will break up and you know go without making an album for 20 years and come back together. Like, you know what? Look. You know, we were friends before all this and we're broke right now. We need a tour. Right, right. <laughs> so they can do that. <laughs> Where a super group, they like they don't really know each other. They they've come up, you know, they've met on the road here and there, or you know, may have actually toured with their prospective groups together, and then that's about all they know about each other. So of course it's gonna be combustible. It's kinda like a, a blind date. Like what do you expect when somebody just sets you up with someone? You don't expect to just be magic right off the bat, like, Oh my god, we're in love. Like what do you really know about this person?
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, super group's like an arranged so. marriage.
1: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I can't. I can't. Well, I can't I'm think of one. Him. Yeah, I can't
2: think of one supergroup that has lasted, let's say, ten years, even five years, no. even. They usually, like you said, they come out hot and everyone's excited, and then they're gone. And then usually the people that are in it go back to whatever bands they were in before the supergroup. Exactly. It kind of scares them straight, <laughs> right? They're like, you know what? I th- I thought that was bad, but now that I've done this, shit, that wasn't that bad. You've seen it happen with everyone like Chris <laughs> Cornell went back to Soundgarden, which I knew would
0: happen after Audio Slave imploded. Yeah. yeah, I mean Scott Weiland tried to go back to Stone Temple Pilots, you know, it was just Again, you kind of go back to the devils you know. Right, right. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, they know I'm going to fuck up, and they've, and they've accepted me all these years, you know, instead of these guys. And Slash like, look, dude, I already have one. Well, even Slash. Even, even and there's another example it, right there, yeah, Guns exactly N' Roses. Yeah, exactly, even they have finally
2: <laughs> gotten together, because they realize how much money they're missing out on by not touring Hell together. Yeah. Now, now, Guns N' Roses is going from doing shows at the joint, where I saw Slayer, which is at 3,000 capacity, to playing at the Las Vegas Arena, which is, I think, 20,000 or right. something, and they're going to sell that out easily. They're going to. Do a mini tour in big arenas. Yeah. So that that that's all true. Even
0: that super group thing, it doesn't even really work in the fitness world. No, it's no, I was about to say <laughs> you the
2: same thing. I mean, <laughs> if you can look at the fitness world and say the same thing. There's so many different organizations that have imploded because of
0: personality types just clashing. So it's just, just it's
2: just human nature. Yeah, this
0: guy's big in this arena, let's bring him into our organization. Oh, he's big over here with Olympic lifting. Let's bring him in. He's big in wrestling. Let's bring this guy in. It's well, you try to, you try to team then, up
2: sometimes. You're like, okay, I'm a big kettlebell guy, so let me go team up with someone who's big in some other aspect of right. training and then you might have one course that works out well and everyone wants to see more and, and you maybe you put another one together and that's a pain in the ass you're like forget it you know I've, I've, I've promoted right. a lot of courses so I can definitely speak to that it's 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 there's just so many factors that go into it sometimes you get along with the people but you end up doing a lot more work and it's an unfair situation where People are getting paid a lot. A I, I've done a lot of courses where, let's be blunt, I did all the promotion. I got all the people in the room. Other people went along for the ride and they're like, oh, this is great. Let's do another one. I was like, yeah, I'm sure you want to do another one, motherfucker, because you didn't do <laughs> jack shit for this one. You just, you just showed up. You're like, this is great. I showed up. I made more than I ever make of my own courses. I was like, yeah, because someone else did all the work <laughs> to make sure that you got paid well, <laughs> you know? So it, it yeah. gets old. But anyway, I could go on that tangent forever. Yeah. We have a, we have a great guest today, Jake Shannon. We've blabbed on for a lot, so we'll do the shout-outs at the end of the episode. You guys know yeah. who you are. Just keep buying the products. You need, you need, recog- you
1: need <laughs> If you don't you need know who recog- you are, just on. look for the receipt of your email. Doing it That's for you. for
2: recognition <laughs> on the show. You're doing it because you want to support us and buy some great products. But anyway, we have a really cool guy. I've known him for a long time. We were just talking before we started recording. I've known him for over 10 years. We met up in L.A. a couple times. His name is Jake Shannon. He runs scientificwrestling.com. He's the inventor of the Mace Bell, which is a really cool training device. He does a lot of work with Josh Barnett. Scientific Wrestling is also the leading professional association for catch as catch can wrestlers. Yeah. So he's got a lot of great information on his
3: website. So how are you doing, man? Welcome. Hey, thanks a ton, guys. No, I'm I'm actually sorry to interrupt. I was like totally fascinated with the uh with the uh Rock and roll conversation. Oh, we can keep
2: talking if you want to kick back for a little bit.
3: Well, what, what, the only thing—the thing that was the most shocking, though, the—the the thing that was most, the, the most shocking part of that entire uh, conversation that you guys had. Was the fact that you were wearing a shirt that wasn't the Cro-Mags.
2: <laughs> I need to go back to wearing Cromags because Cromags are so old that no one recognizes the shirts, that no one tries to harass me for you know getting the shirt off me. <laughs> I got to stop wearing these contemporary band shirts that people recognize.
3: <laughs> well, I mean, it, it it is funny that you say that because God, man, it it has been ten years. Uh, since we were both in Southern california and 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 doing our thing and stuff, so yeah, I remember yeah, you started
2: you started the mace bell back in. And for people who don't know what a mace bell is, imagine a club bell had sex with a kettlebell and then <laughs> and then their offspring is is well down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. like, <laughs> Imagine a club bell that's about twice as long as a regular club bell with a big old kettlebell at the very end. <laughs> yeah,
3: it's like it's like you take a, a kettlebell and strip off the curved handle and put on like a it's like a bowling ball with a broomstick, but it's it's actually you know an ancient uh, Hindu training device for
2: wrestlers. Yeah, Gama the wrestler was famous for using that right he used really heavy ones still
3: oh yeah the 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 palawani and I mean it goes not just it's Persian and uh, and Hindu but yeah. the, the wrestlers in particular would use these implements you know when they weren't doing a, a sport specific exercise like actually wrestling or drilling or something like that but they were wanting to do something that could benefit them without necessarily getting their wrists broken or something like that that can happen in, in a wrestling match. Right. Um, you know, they bust these things out, and they're very similar to kettlebells, although the the movements are completely different, but it's it's similar. It's grip yeah, strength. you're
2: not, not going to swing one of those between your feet. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: Which your Shaq. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: Shaq <laughs> could do double swings with mace bells. That's for sure. <laughs> So what what makes it what makes a mace bell different than let's say a club bell?
3: Well, yeah, a lot of it has to do with the length. So for example, the club bell um, was an idea that originally came from Iranian uh, meals, or in in India they're called jorries, which are the clubs. I mean, they're these clubs. It's like what you used to see the Iron Sheik swing on the old WWF. Yeah, right. 1980s uh (laughs) tv show and they're very similar it's just the club bells obviously are manufactured made of steel well in that way the indian Indian
2: clubs are big wooden ones right
3: yeah Uh, they're
2: huge and the movements are different than what we see people do with club bells just because of the sheer mass of them
3: absolutely and in fact i got the idea to do the mace bell because a um uh, a friend of mine, uh, an older gentleman who's passed away and was really well known in in wrestling circles, both amateur and MMA and uh, and pro wrestling, even uh, Carl Gotch. Right, right. He over yeah, and he, you know, I was excited. I wanted I wanted to see his clubs because I was interested. And he's like, "Oh, well, let me show you this thing." And he pulls out this wooden, looks like a bowling ball on a stick. He's like, and this is after he ran me through like one of his brutal workouts. I mean, my legs are jelly. I'm like puking. And in fact, I hadn't even eaten that day. And before the workout, he's like, oh, here, have this sweet plum wine. Oh, here, let's smoke a cigar. And I have no idea. I have no idea we're going to work out later. Smoke a
2: cigar and then go do 500 Hindu squats.
3: Oh, my God. (laughs) It was like traumatic, dude. And then afterwards, he hands me this freaking device this bowling ball on a stick and i have no you know all my gross motor skills are just shot and i'm like an idiot trying not to break this thing because it's made of wood um but it was really exciting it was a cool i was like holy shit this is a really neat way to train and so i just when i got back home after that trip i was like you know how am i going to do this i started looking up woodworkers i was like I got to do it just like his. And Carl gave me his specifications and stuff. I was like, cool. And I went to a woodworker, and it was like – he wanted something ridiculous, like $250, $300. And I was like – I mean, I just was like, okay, that's cool, but I I think I can do this cheaper. So I started looking into other materials and shopping around, and and then I ended up just talking to Torque uh, Athletic. And, um, Mm -hmm. I mean, if people don't know who they are, they – you know, been around the kettlebells. Yeah, scene. they
2: they made the kettlebells for Dragon Door. Yeah. They made the clubbells for Scott and So they're a very well respected equipment manufacturing
3: company. And they're the first people that bring all this stuff. Oh yeah, to the Then everybody copies them, and and that's fine. I mean, it's business. But right, it, right. They really, if it wasn't for torque, you know, who knows what people would be doing? Because they put the, these devices in people's hands, actually, so they can great great great
2: people who run that company too. I remember I oh, had Otis, Yeah, really awesome. cool guy. I remember I he he reached out to me a couple times to see if I had any ideas for making equipment and yeah. I didn't I didn't have any man. I didn't want to make something for the sake of making something. <laughs> you know. It's like actually, I have to I actually have to be using something and benefiting from it rather than going, "Huh, let me come up with something."
3: Yeah, like for me it was it was very similar cuz I, I was kind of like well, I just want this for myself, frankly, but I, right. you know, I do have a bit of a, a sense for business, and I was like, well, geez, I cannot be the only one who would want this. And I talked to Torek and showed him some of the old Hindu footage and stuff, and and he was just so stoked. And here we are, ten years later, and a bajillion different YouTube videos later of everybody swinging it and. <laughs> I mean yeah, Joe
0: Rogan's and everything.
3: You know, Joe yeah. got his own mace that he put. I mean, it's blown my mind.
2: Yeah, yeah, on it, on it makes their own. Do they get theirs from Torque? Do you know or do they?
3: No, they, no, they they manufacture their their own. So so on it makes one. Um, and, and because
2: because this is something that because this is something that existed already, this wasn't something that you could patent necessarily, right? So this so anyone can make a mace bell, or maybe maybe they can't call it a mace bell, but they can make.
3: I it. I, I don't like like all the patent stuff and sure sure so to me i don't you know this man there's people especially in this kind of business that are just such like anal jerks looking to sue you or do it. I'm like oh I'm yeah yeah wait like, oh, you yeah. know what i don't have to worry personally because i will always come up with ideas i'm a creative person and if people rip my stuff off to me, that's like, cool. I'm like, sweet. Yeah, I'm glad you like my idea. Yeah, it's a compliment. I'm glad, that, <laughs> I'm glad that you can put food on the table for your family with my <laughs> idea. Maybe you could just maybe you could give me credit. Maybe not. Whatever. I don't care. But hey, it's just cool because I think it's cool and I want to make it available. And that's kind of just the story of the Mace Bell. Uh, yeah. And that's the story of my wrestling business too. I just started out wanting this information and wanting to learn these things myself. And then I was like, I can't be the only one. And Heck, man! Some of these guys that I'm learning from are these old timers, and you know, old athletes don't have pensions unless you're like, you know, you luck out or you're in, you know, you know play big ball or something like that. But for like right. a lot of fighting athletes and stuff, there's no pension, and these guys made a, misspent their money early on. So anyway, it just worked out where I could learn it myself, put money in these old timers' pockets, and I don't know. I and just and, kinda, and who,
2: who made who made money off wrestling anyway,
0: right? Amateur yeah, wrestling, exactly. wrestling competitions. On, and, when, and when we say wrestling, folks, we're not talking WWE or something like that. Not wrestling entertainment which is way different. But we're talking about like like wrestling in a traditional sense here. And again, like Mike said, who really made money off of that? I mean, how many how many folks can you just name right off the bat? If you're not really into that, who can you just name right off the bat as far as the legends of that? You know, like those of us in the, in the know, when you say Carl Gosh, we're like, well, you can't even talk, you can't have this discussion without bringing him up. Well, and <laughs> especially know. in yeah.
3: MMA circles, because yes. you know, like that that fight between Muhammad Ali and Anthony uh Enoki Antonio Enoki yeah um, you know Carl if you look at the photos it's actually a really cool kind of thing cuz i mean here you have like Muhammad Ali this massive icon in, in America and then you have Enoki who was like a flipping senator in Japan this guy's huge i mean he's like yeah. he's like the japanese jesus over there or something he's huge.
1: <laughs>
3: and then you look in the corner of the fight and the guy's cornering Enoki it's it's Carl Gotch it's Fujiwara it's these like dudes that I know it's like whoa that is just crazy and then the ref was Judo Gene LaBelle so yeah exactly. it's just I mean that's a really interesting fight but like especially in the MMA world people would know Carl but you know that's just my thing and I mean I don't begrudge people but I do know certain people in the business that are oh, that's my idea, and if you even use the word, oh, my gosh, and it's like,
2: hell. Oh. Oh, there's a lot of people like that, and, and they're not even people exactly. that, that – there are people that are ripping off other people too. The, the thing about people that have that paranoia about people ripping them off, they they have that paranoia because they've ripped off other people themselves. Exactly. So that's where that whole fear manifests from.
3: I mean I don't mind getting credit. I, I, I If you want to give me credit for doing something and it's real and uh, – I. Hell, I'm the first person to be like, Yeah, I did that. That's cool. Well, I mean,
2: you definitely should get credit for proliferating the mace bell yeah. or that training tool. No doubt about that.
3: And the, and the other thing is, is that, you know, I, I spoke about the wood, and, you know, I was like, Well, if I change the material here from wood to steel, it's going to be a hell of a lot more durable. And, you know, I'm, I've always been in, into these kind of more esoteric uh, sports, and yeah. like the Highland Games. If you look at the Scottish Hammer Toss, mm-hmm. it is the exact same specifications as the 10K mace bell. So yeah. you, if you're also a Highland Games athlete, you could be using the the 10-kilo mace bell for practice. They won't allow it because it's not regulation. you got to have it out of specific materials. But the good news is it won't break because it's made out of steel. You could chuck that thing halfway down a football field and it won't break.
2: Yeah. And you can also use it for sledgehammer strikes, right? Tire, tire strikes. So sledgehammer, yep, tires.
3: right? Yeah, that was the other thing. So I kind of looked at it as like a three, uh, a three way vehicle, you know, for working out. That you could do the traditional gotta Hindu uh, exercises, but then you could also use it in the Highland Games, and then you could also use it for you know anything that you would use a sledgehammer for. The thing is, and and I mean to all my competitors out there, because I really don't care. I mean, th- the only thing I'd say is if you're going to make these mace bells. Make sure you get the handles long enough. Almost everybody makes them too short because it's all about the centrifugal force. Yeah. It's the length of the handle. Right. You have to make it longer
2: anyway. they're, they're probably trying to make it easier so it's more accessible, but then that exactly. defeats the whole purpose of it.
3: And it makes it harder to be honest because oh, really? if okay. you, well, if you're doing it, if it's a longer handle, it's more centrifugal force and okay. therefore more of the 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 workout is in the grip.
2: Well, maybe it's but cheap if, maybe it's cheaper to make it shorter and that's the real reason.
3: Oh, yeah. because you
0: kind of shorten the momentum as you swing it you know by having it with a shorter handle so it almost becomes an Indian yeah, club yeah. you know so it just changed the whole dynamics of what you're using it for Yeah, that,
3: that's exactly right like I mean I see a lot of these guys making them it's cool I have no idea why they picked their lengths or whatever but you know the point of it at least for for, for me was as a wrestler I want grip strength I want like really to when I grab that guy's wrist <laughs> that he knows knows it and he's not going to pull it away because i need to do some work here i need to work on this arm or whatever you know and and so anyway the the length really does uh create that kind of centrifugal force so that, that makes the grip strength that much harder well there's you know, always there's lot. always there's always
2: a premier product right like with kettlebells you can always tell when someone's just doing an out an, and also ran where they just come up with oh, oh kettlebells are hot let's just throw one out there and then right. the, the, the handles are too close to the ball of the bell so it's not comfortable at all for those of us who know how to grip a kettlebell how to actually utilize right. kettlebells
0: and then when or even the mold yeah. is like even the mold they they split it in half so I mean well they they pretty much have it right at the handle so you, you they start breaking apart at the handles or they start rusting at the handles and then it's, it it breaks you know because they didn't get the molding right.
2: I mean there, there's so many so kettlebells you can't even clean it properly because of the way the, the <laughs> right. way the handle is so close to the ball of the belt. so you so you can't exactly. even get your full hand into it where it's in that 45 degree angle along your palm that
0: comfortable position. And then yeah, I'm always, it's always funny, Mike, when people see these, you know, all the I call them novelty bells. When you start seeing the gorilla bells yeah, yeah, and right. and you know all the, the the Kabuki mask bells and all this other stuff, whatever. Like hey, see what do you think about this? I'm like, okay, that I mean that, that that's good if you're just going to do squats and cleans, you know. I said, but you try snatching that bad boy, and especially you try to do it for time. Yeah, good luck, you know, with your wrist. And, you know, if you're going to actually do clean with good technique, you know, good luck with that. But if you're pressing, yeah, maybe, yeah. Yeah,
3: it's good. But squatting, Jesus, those, swings. Those bells that you mentioned, those are not for snatches. Those are to look cool in your living dude. room, you know.
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. It's good to keep my door open, you know, when I'm, like, loading stuff up. <laughs> you know, put on your desk, like, oh, that's that's cool. Right. But, you know. <laughs> Exactly, or you know, you know, bashing a burglar's head in with sure. it or something like that. That's about it. Man. <laughs> but then with kettlebells, we have
2: the the competition style bells or the pro grade ones. And once you've used those, you realize, wow, this is the standard right here because they feel yes, so yes, comfortable, yes. right? And then it's hard to go back to any other bell after you get used to those. So I think uh, I think that, I think with the May spell, yours is probably a similar thing where someone may try someone else's and they're going, oh, okay, this is how it's supposed to be, and then they come well, across yours somehow. They're like, well, wait a minute, this is totally different.
3: <laughs> no, you I mean, you really. I'm sorry to interrupt because I'm just so excited because you really actually hit something on the head, and a lot of it has been the branding. So you yeah. know, we we did really deliberately because I mean, we've got polyurethane on the end, we've got crinkle coat on it. I mean, this is like a, I mean, it's Lexus. And the problem is not everybody can afford Alexis. I get it. And, and, but you're right. It is a, it is a, it is just, there's more work and more craftsmanship and more stuff put into our one, which is interesting because, and I would, I'm seriously, I'm not like too egotistical to say, but I, I haven't seen a, a maze come out that's better than ours. And ours was the first on the market. So actually what we're trying to do is to <clears throat> expand uh, out of the Lexus market and also hit, hit, touch some of those people in the Toyota market. And uh, so we are uh, – I'm talking with Otis, and we are making a um, a, a lower-end mace bell that probably won't have the polyurethane. We're still kind of in the design mm. uh, phases, but it'll be a heck of a lot cheaper uh, than the premium mace bell that we have been selling, hoping just to get people at least the right dimensions and the right length and weights and stuff like that.
0: Now, do you have the, the mace bells that you can actually, like, add water to to add weight to it or sand or oh. something like that where you can adjust the weight of it no. where they're hollowed out? No.
3: Uh because it's just – would you want to fill your kettlebell with, with water? Uh. <laughs> I mean, it's like, okay, this sounds really cool, but this is a, this is a device that's designed to be moved through space, and water <laughs> is just, like, not a good idea exactly. for ballast, you know?
0: It's, it's. I asked because a buddy of mine actually like uh, gave me a mace bell. Well, not a mace bell, but you know a mace. um, You know as a gift or whatever. and It had like you know it was one of the adjustable ones where you could add water to it. But it's funny because I've never done it. And he asked me he's like, "Hey man, did you add water?" I was like, "Just something about that just did. It didn't seem like a good idea." And the way the water sloshes around. So when I'm swinging that thing behind me or whatever, I don't need that vibration going on and like I say interrupting that centrifugal force that you were talking about. So I was like, "Just something about that just never set right with me," you know, and just. You know the fact that you got something inside this this piece of iron or whatever else, and you're just hoping that that water when it goes over your head is not going to go out, you know, over time or something. Like that. And, and we're talking about also we're talking about elements here. We're talking about iron. We're talking about metal, and you're adding water to this, so. What are we doing to the durability and the longevity of this product or, when you start adding these two product, these two elements that don't really like
1: each or other? Or sand? <laughs> you know? I mean,
0: yeah, 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 sand
2: exactly. Well, sand anybody. can be a sand can be a real disaster. It reminds me of the good old days after I read Dinosaur Training, and I think everyone who read that book made their own homemade sandbag. And I, <laughs> the first time I threw it over, the first time I threw it overhead, the whole thing <laughs> split in half, and I took a sand oh, shower. Yeah. <laughs> you know, right there. <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, I was outside. It wouldn't have been fun to clean that up indoors. Oh no.
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's people out there that like that, and that's awesome, and I'm glad that there's that need is being fulfilled for them. But yeah, from a design standpoint,
2: some people just love making shit, right? Like they'll see your May spell and be like, "Oh man, I bet I could go to Home Depot and put together right. my own one." <laughs> you know, there's always going <laughs> to gonna be honest, that person.
3: To be honest, it's it's oh, not really. that hard because it's funny if you go. I mean, because I think because ours are expensive. I mean, they're not. I'm not. You know, there's no. I can't get around that. They they are expensive and it is a commitment, but you only really need one, in my opinion. You only need the 10 kilo and that should launch it for life. Um,
2: well, but, what, would, what would be the benefits of a mace belt? Let's say someone doesn't do any combat sports. They just they do deadlift squats, they work out, they do sprints. And Where where would a mace belt fit into a, a, a traditional or standard workout like that?
3: Well, so What you're going to find the benefit of the mace belt is it's and I don't like to use the term, but it is uh, circular movement, mm-hmm. um, in addition to grip strength, uh, in addition to stabilizer muscles and all that, because your entire body has to tense as you, as the weight shifts. Say you're doing a 360 with the Mace Bell, your weight shifts from your right foot to your left foot as the 10 kilos spinning through space shifts as well. So yeah, yeah you're engaging a lot of kind of unusual muscles, and people, I think, don't understand uh the benefit because it isn't like your typical arnold schwarzenegger bodybuilding thing but i think a lot of the benefits are very very congruent uh similar benefits in a more broad sense to kettlebells so obviously grip strength we also the way that we design our programs now obviously people can do it any way they want we had like some strength athletes they were making like you know hundred pound mace bells and stuff i'm just like you guys are insane. <laughs> i don't even understand the point of that but hey have, i mean whatever it just because i'm not into it doesn't mean it's not cool so well people
2: always think more is better right you
0: see these 200 pound exactly. kettlebells come on what are you gonna do with that or you or you see like five and ten pound indian clubs i'm like dude and <laughs> yeah. you, you have someone like you hand someone a one pound you know indian club and it's just 350 pound lime and he's like well what am i <laughs> it feels like a toothpick to him i'm like dude the point is you're not here to get a, a, a right. workout and like lift weights here then this is for shoulder mobility you know so you want to it's a very we're working on a very small muscle here i don't care how big you are your shoulders are still just some of the smallest muscles on your body buddy you know so we're not sitting there trying to go for a full-on shoulder blasting workout right yeah, you're, not, well, you're not trying to get, you're
2: not <laughs> trying to get a pump when you do indian clubs you're not like oh man this is gonna this is gonna make my rear delt way bigger when i swing this around come on
3: well, and I'm glad Sincere brings that up because, yeah, one of the really nice things is running the shoulder through the range of motion with the mace bell. Um, yeah. So you're really getting to a lot of these like attachment tendons and things like that that just never really get worked and you get them from a bunch of different angles. But the other thing I think that's common between kettlebell uh, lifting and, and uh, the mace bell is also cardio because typically like – I was doing an online certification more as a, a way to get the word out, and it was free. I was like, hey, just send me a video of you doing actually these exercises. I'm cool. You don't have to pay me to be an RKC or anything like that. Just let's, let's do this and get people who can do this sport. And what, the minimum was, um, uh, among other things, but 100 nonstop consecutive swings of the mace bell, right? So, you know, you do that 100 kettlebell snatches or something, your heart's going to be going.
1: Oh,
2: yeah.
3: And and it's similar, so we don't quite have the full range of motion, at least in the 360 exercise that we required doing 100. But it's pretty grueling to throw out 100 if you're new to to maze spells, and so that was kind of our litmus, our, our, our standard, and um, it worked out well. I think people are realizing. For me, I'm in a very fortunate position where if the maze. Mays- Bell doesn't sell. I still eat. I, I just kind of, it was just, you know, it was like a good thing that, that happened to me and I happened to be involved in the process of it. And so in that regard, it's awesome, but I'm not trying to make it a tool that you can use for everything. I think of it personally, very specifically for combat athletes, frankly, you right, know, and maybe right. part of it is why it's not bigger is I haven't tried to push it and find the applications but I'm just like a like a super wrestler. Well, I mean, maybe
2: you just need to be more dishonest about the benefits, and that way you get a big yeah, brow. Exactly. You know? Yeah, exactly. You need the open- come on, man. People,
3: you know, I hear there's people money. like
2: make-believe. People I, like stories. Like, is this man. good Tell for story, soccer? Man. Oh, yeah. Tennis? You got it. Basketball? you damn
3: right. <laughs> Sex? Hell, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's money in that dishonesty game. I got it. Maybe I should try it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well,
2: there's also money in the honesty game. It's just a much longer-run approach.
3: You so know, sometimes, like,
2: sometimes people come uh, out, and they just – they go no, okay. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna make as much money as I can in three years, and then my reputation is gonna be so shot, I'm done. So I better maximize it.
3: You are talking about right. it right there with Slayer, dude. Like that's yeah. what I'm going yeah. for. Yes. Go up and be a super group or what? I just would rather put this out there, make it something for people to do, and build that hardcore following of people who get it. You know, and I I don't know. It's just a taste thing, I guess. You know.
2: Yeah. Yeah. What else do you do under this? Scientific Wrestling umbrella.
3: Well, so Mace Bell, that kind of took a life on its own, but I did bring it in under the under Scientific Wrestling. And yeah. Scientific Wrestling is this company that I started um, back in 2003. It really didn't start going like, to where people knew or there was anything interesting about it other than just me busting my ass behind the scenes, but it didn't really get going until about 2006. But we're basically a training organization and our very existence is owed to the fact that MMA is so crazy trendy and huge. I mean, I've, I've been involved with this. I was at the second UFC in, in Denver uh, at Mammoth Gardens in 1994. So I've seen wow. this sport like, from when it was like trailer park versus <laughs> sumo wrestler versus whatever, you know, like <laughs> video games on like street fight. Yeah, some, like,
0: of, some of those early UFCs are, are quite entertaining, man. You know, me, it, it was like the WWE. It's just like, wait a minute! It's like look you got at a these 400 pound man. guy fighting a 140 pounder.
2: You
3: know, it was, <laughs> like a and he
0: beats the 400 yeah, pound
2: yeah, guy. Yeah, You're yeah. Like what? It was highly entertaining. To
3: you watch know, a car crash happen, and that's oh, what no, was exactly.
2: exactly, So,
3: so I I just have always been interested with you know the idea of wrestling being relevant to mixed martial arts. And so, um, you know, I did, I started this company and basically what we've done is I'm a bit of a nerd. I've got a master's degree in financial math. I've written a bunch of books and all this other stuff. And, and I have an interest in this old obscure style of wrestling. It was like at its peak of popularity in the United States between the civil war and world war one. And it was called catches catch can wrestling. Um, I mean, you had Teddy Roosevelt practicing it. You had mm. uh, it was huge. It was really it was bigger than boxing, bigger than baseball at that time. Uh, but then you know the promoters got greedy and they started fixing the matches and it became the bodybuilding feather boa thing we got for, with WWE now. But there was these guys who went underground and honestly the that style catches catch can also splintered off. So the pro style became this worked thing that looks like wwe we have now but it was a legit contest back in the day but then another group splintered off and said hey okay we're not going to try to make money with this we love the wrestling for what it is but the same way judo took out the dangerous holds of jujitsu so they could make a sport of judo they took out the dangerous submission holds of catch wrestling catches catch can wrestling and and it became amateur well what we know as freestyle wrestling today that you see in the olympics so, um, but then there was also another strain. There was like this third strain. So there was the pro wrestling WWE strain. There was the amateur wrestling strain. And then there was this third strain, which in particular fascinated me. And it was these guys who did both. They did the amateur wrestling and the pro wrestling, but they knew like the old style of submissions and takedowns from this sport. And I just sought out that I thought would know, know this. And that includes Carl, yeah. uh, Gotch and Billy Robinson, who they, I mean, right. Later became my friends, which is like so crazy to me. It's like having a guy who plays high school football, all of a sudden get like Joe Namath is like one of his good friends. It was like blowing, you know, like anyway. So uh, we basically became an organization to promote and teach and we give, you know, travel the world, giving seminars and stuff like that. Um, to sell DVDs on, you know, little wrestling techniques here and there. Um, so it's an educational organization that does seminars and information products and things like that. Scientificwrestling.com. And, and
2: you've had Josh Barnett consult with you. I know you're friends with him. You've had Frank Shamrock work with you guys well, in some capacity. Yeah, was, how, how did uh, that? How did that all come together?
0: Yeah, <laughs> Josh is like a big example. Of what you just said about the guys who did, you know, the more ancient. You know, traditional way of doing catch as catch can and then take it into that professional wrestling, WWE style wrestling. He's like a big guy as far as doing that. So, yeah. How'd you guys meet?
3: Yeah. So it, it was it, it's interesting, like at least Frank anyway, you know, as I was kind of studying because I, I just wanted to learn it and nobody was teaching it back then. And, um, yeah, I mean, he learned from Minoru, Suzuki, Suzuki learned from Gotch and, and Fujiwara, which is like about as pure of a line of catch as catch can as you can get. So I was like, sweet. Um, and, and, uh, so Frank has just been really helpful and he's always been very open and, you know, uh, like he's just a great guy. Frank is uh, every interaction I've had with him. He's just above board and a super nice guy. Yeah. Um, Josh is kind of an interesting story because, um, you know, he's been in this game forever. I mean, he's yeah. been around since like Yeah. forever and it's cuz he started when he was a kid, you know, and he's yeah. still young and he and he's been around forever and he's been consistently ranked.
2: Yeah. You know, it's like, really impressive.
3: Heavyweight. like he's just he's a really great athlete and and great fighter. And uh, he he you know, he makes no bones about it. I mean, I don't know what they call it, but you know, like the Japanese fanboys or whatever. I mean, he plays otaku or whatever. He's a very smart guy, and he had some really interesting esoteric things in fighting he was into, and one of those was catch wrestling. And back then, like, the community was so small because nobody knew what it even it was. And so because we ran in the same circles, I just kind of got to know him. He was super friendly, super smart. Um, and then one day, he you know, he knew that I was friends with Carl Gotch, and he wanted to get an introduction because he wanted to learn stuff from him, you know. And so I made the introduction, and man, you know, Josh paid me back like a thousandfold because I'm sure there's a million people in Japan he could have got, uh, you know, somehow to make the introduction of Carl. Um, but for me, in exchange, he introduced me to, you know, later on, I mean, I don't think it was a quid pro quo or anything like that, but he introduced me later on to Billy Robinson, who for seven years, you know, was like my mentor, and I toured the United States with him and assisted him in coaching, and I mean, he was a, he was a member of my family I, mean, I named my youngest kid after him and stuff. So, so it's interesting how, you know, I feel like I'm like the luckiest guy on the planet because a lot of this just kind of organically happened. I mean, I put myself out there and stuff, but I'm just fortunate that these guys. Well, were
2: that, that's these. the key point there. So you, you actually There's put yourself story, yeah. out there because how are these people supposed to know about you? A lot of people are going, Oh, I wish I knew all these people. Well, how, how are they supposed to know who you are? <laughs> you know, if you're not out yeah. there, you know, what are you I mean, doing to attract those people to you?
3: it's worked out really well because i mean you know we were talking about the mace Bell came out of this scientific wrestling because carl showed me his his uh gotta and like and the mace bells is big like it's i mean you type in mace Bell into youtube and you get like crazy amount of return hits or google it's like insane and um you know the on the wrestling side we've been able to do some actually like historic things um You know, I was able to ghostwrite Billy Robinson's autobiography to get his story out there as he wanted it told. And
1: um,
3: um, we actually started the first, like, really, you know, competitive catch wrestling matches with my tournaments. The King of Catch Wrestling is what we call it. And um, that's been going on since 2007. We've been touring with these training camps. Um, It's been with Billy until he passed away about two years ago. And then, again, a, a mutual friend of mine, it was really weird, Like a month before Billy's passing, I get this phone call from Wade Chalice. And, and again, unfortunately, with wrestling, people may never have heard of that name, but this is the guy who holds the Guinness Book of World record, Records for the most wins and pins in all of wrestling, the record for the most wins over national champions, the, win, the record for the wins over international champions. This guy um, was like a seventh or a ninth degree black belt in Slambo when Fila used to give away such belt uh, system. This guy's like a grappling genius. He was an All-American in judo, an All-American in folk style, in and, and Greco-Roman. I mean he, he's just out of control, right? So somehow – I mean, he and I get to be friends and this is great. And But uh, a month before Billy's passing, it was weird. He called me up and he's like, you know what? I want to start doing seminars and I want to start hitting the MMA market. And I just was like, oh, that's awesome. But I was kind of like, I got this thing with Billy and and then, you know, Billy passed away suddenly and I was like, wow, man, this is crazy timing. And I talked to Wade and he loves catch wrestling because catch wrestling is like submission grappling. It's just there's a pin so mm-hmm. so mma for example you can win with a submission or a knockout right everybody gets it. it's not complicated right well catch is catch can same thing you win with a submission or a pin um it's actually still the same kind of rules that wwe does in their theater you know stuff so mm-hmm. anyway wade ended up uh taking over for billy and uh the last two years and it's been amazing so I just pinch myself, man. I'm like with the best of the best. These guys sitting there just absorbing it at every seminar like a, like a sponge. It's like the greatest thing in the world. And, and this year we're, um, we got, we're doing our, tra- so we're actually set up a tour. If people are interested, it's called at the websites pinandsubmit.com, like, you know, three words all together, pinandsubmit.com. And, uh, we got both Josh Barnett and Wade to show up at our three-day training camp. So it's going to be half Wade and half Josh. I mean, I'm like, right. over the moon, just personally, selfishly. You know?
0: Yeah. So, yeah.
3: Cool.
0: Now, is this up? Now, is this, this course, I mean, is this seminar, is it specifically just for combat athletes or what about like the everyday person, just the person that just wants to, I don't know, get up their grappling skills? Yeah,
3: it's, you know, it's, it's for everybody. Else. I mean, we've had, I mean, I've had, Everybody at one of these training camps, you it blow your mind. Uh, Daniel Bryan from the WWE the yeah. yes, yes, yes guy. He came to one. Of, yeah. Well, I actually think he may have came to a seminar in a training camp, but, um, D- Daniel Bryan's come to our trainings. Um, uh, Randy Couture flew, flew me and Billy out to his gym to give a training. Um, so you'll have these h- kind of higher level guys, Br- Brandon Ruiz, who, um, is the Fila world grappling games champion. Come stars, Shayna Baszler, who's a top women's MMA. Yeah. Come, so we get these like high, yeah. high level people, but then we get the guys that are like forty, and instead of spending their money on a on a uh, Harley Davidson, they spend their money on these cool experiences and just push themselves. You know, it's like a thing, and and it works out for everybody. Our our trainers are not, you know, they're they're actually kind of intellectuals. But Josh is intellectual, Wade is super intellectual, Billy was intellectual, so they're not bullies. They're not there. They're serious about it. Like, don't come in half it. I mean, any coach will tell you that. But um, right. anybody can come as long as you're just you're there to work and you're serious. Yeah.
2: Now, have you worked with any current? Besides Josh, of course. Any any current UFC fighters with either the training camps or the mace Bell, like one-on-one specifically?
3: Well, we uh, when we went out to England, we have a UFC guy, Danny Mitchell, who's uh, come to some some of our stuff uh josh thompson who is a um you know old pride fighting guy and a bellator fighter now yeah. josh thompson um, yeah who else man we had jeffrey hunt loslis who is a freestyle seniors national champ come um who else i mean man it's been seven years so i'm pro- i know i'm forgetting somebody and they're gonna be pissed off i'm gonna hear about it <laughs> um we do we've just had some really like
2: Amazing people come. But, to but your but your main business model is promoting these events,
3: selling the mace bell. Enjoy. Business model, the biz- I mean, even the mace bell is is tertiary for me. My passion, what I care about. I know I could probably make more money doing other stuff, but what I'm like into and I really just it's not work, is the training camps. I love that. I, I just because I'm sitting there learning from these like high level guys and then. The other thing that's so great from my perspective—I mean, I've been to every camp, you know—I mean, I and I assist and all this other stuff. But the thing that's like the coolest thing for me, besides helping out these guys financially and giving them good money or whatever, you know, um, but the thing that's really satisfying is like, you know, people when they came out of the Matrix. Remember when that Matrix came out the first time? Yeah. And everybody was like, "Whoa!" It was like they were tripping on acid. After, yeah. I mean, that's what it's like after <laughs> people come out of one of these camps because these guys are like fucking amazing you know yeah. so to me that's like the coolest thing is to see that like light bulb shit where they're like oh my god i cannot wait to get back to my gym and kick everybody's ass especially that one asshole who always beats me here what you know what i mean because they got the bag of tricks <laughs> right, right. to me that is so fucking cool that is like that makes it all worth it to me and we get a lot of that i mean do you get do you get I, a,
2: you get a lot of people coming back taking the future other events or the same event over again
3: yeah, like we actually designed. I, I I made the pricing structure to incentivize people coming back because you know if they go act like they're shit and what they're they're full of it. I mean, it takes years to get good at something, you know. And so the first camp is definitely expensive. I mean, I'm there's no joke about that. But I mean, these are top tier guys, and it's I got to pay them what they're worth. So you know, um, you come to the first camp. And for example, like during early bird, it's not that crazy. I mean, a, a, a CrossFit cert is fucking more expensive than training with these fucking legends. And I mean, this shit will save your life. You'll learn that, how to That doesn't yourself. surprise not, me. That doesn't surprise not me it, one it, bit. Though. Shitty fucking Kip ups or something. I mean, it's like. <laughs>
1: 15,
2: yeah, there, there was. I think, I think. I think. I'm not quite sure who started it, but I know John Duquesne with Dragon Door was one of the one of the first guys to really proliferate really expensive <laughs> training. Courses, fitness yeah, courses, I mean, because, I no because before before that, I mean, fitness courses would be thirty bucks for a weekend or something like that, right? It was really inexpensive. Then all of a sudden, it was a thousand bucks, and people were willing to pay it. And then when some, and when then when other people saw how much certain organizations could charge, they're like, "Oh, this is great. We're going to charge a thousand bucks too. Are we charge five hundred when we used to charge fifty? Because mm-hmm. that's going to be in comparison cheaper." Them what's out yeah,
3: there? And, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not like a communist or I don't have a problem with communists, but I'm not. I like <laughs> money And it's yeah. like, we we'll make as much as you can, just be honest about it and make sure people don't have buyer's remorse. But what we do is like, so say right now for the three days of training with these guys, and we limit camp to like 10 to 15 guys, depending on where we're at. But usually it's around 10 guys. So you're getting like hands on three days with these pro fucking guys, these top tier guys. And it's 900 bucks for three days of training. And the second camp you come to is half of that. It's four fifty, and then your third camp is two twenty five. So you, from then on, if you've invested in the system or whatever, it is definitely front loaded on fees. But you can come for three days of training with these guys two hundred twenty five bucks. I mean, you're yeah. not going to get a deal like that.
2: Oh, that's a cool. That's that's a cool. Yeah, that's a cool yeah. tier system right there, and it and it does incentivize people to come back. Yeah, and I don't think there's anything wrong with charging a lot for courses either. As long as you deliver and people leave happy, then yeah. it's all good.
0: And like you said, you have these legends there. So it's like actually when you actually really break it down and look at the, all the years of experience that these guys have and, the, and what they've invested into that, even 900 bucks, you're still you're still coming out on top on this. It's still a steal for you. And, and, and that's the thing I think a lot of people tend to overlook. They just look at price and like, oh my god, this is so pricey. I'm like, okay, pay attention to what's going on here.
1: Well, look you.
0: at who's teaching you and how much money they've invested <laughs> in the experience and knowledge that they have in all those years, and also the things they've sacrificed to bring this to you yeah. and try to, you know, and give you the best. You know, quality instruction that they can that they can fit in eight hours each day. You know, so by the time it's done, you got twenty four hours of this intense training. If they're good instructors, and that's what you know, if that's what they're going to do, and not just sit there and give a lecture fest like a lot of people do, <laughs> rip people off. Well, guess, you know, so just it's interesting because,
3: like, so the guy who is probably second under me with regards to most time spent with these coaches and all that, his name he's a friend of mine. His name's Sam Sam Crescent. And so he's an assistant coach. I know that he's seen this stuff and he can actually assist and knows how to do it. And he's been to a million of these. So, but I'll tell you something. So here's a guy, you know, he was a high school wrestler. Uh, I think he went to school in Hawaii or something. Gets a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. Um, Just a high level guy. He's really like, I mean, he's, he's well-respected and all this other stuff. Anyway, so here he is, he's running the school. Well, one of his, he, he, um, Teaches a lot of cops, right? These private lessons for self-defense. These cops come over and learn the jiu-jitsu. Well, one of their one of his clients came to one of our Billy Robinson camps and went back and just started beating everybody. Like and this guy was not doing that beforehand. And so Sam was like, Whoa, man, what the heck happened over that weekend? And after that, Sam came to every single one. Um And that's to me, that's the that's the juice for me. Is it's like it's really cool because, you know, before for example, I don't know, you know, I don't know you guys' experience if you've done jujitsu or anything like that. But you know, when you wrestle somebody and they've never, or you grapple somebody they've never done jujitsu, and you're just like, it's awesome. Your athletic level doesn't matter because you just know these tricks they don't know. Well, the second (laughs) they learn those tricks, that's when the athleticism comes in because it's like, who wants it more? Right now. Nobody knows this stuff. And it's it's for me, it's awesome to just see everybody get just turned on when they get to touch by these guys. You know, they're like, no, move your foot here. Move it an inch this way. And they're like, oh, my gosh. Anyway, as you can see, I I
0: think it's interesting that you brought up that, you know, when you brought up about cops and they were coming in and training as well. Like, you know, I'm a personal defense instructor now. and, And one of the biggest things that we always talk about, you know, is going beyond going for your weapon right off the bat. You know, the last thing you basically pulling out a gun should be your the last resort. And there are a lot of times where you don't necessarily need to bring that out. It can be stopped in other ways. And so people tend to forget about gun fighting. The key word in a gunfight is actually the fight part. They tend to forget about that. They just hear gun and think that's what I'm going to use. So when you're going against somebody on the street or something like that, you know, if they recognize that you have a gun as well. So you're both now you're in a wrestling match, and you're pretty much in the same position that you'd be if you were in an actual wrestling match. You know, you're both sitting there, you're cheek to cheek, you're grabbing each other, you're both going for each other's weapon and whatever else. So, you know, my question is to you: Is this a, a okay? Is this a way for, like I said, the common everyday person to come in and learn self-defense and apply those skills that you guys are teaching in your seminars, you know, to their everyday training as far as personal defense?
3: Well, and I think, you know, we actually offer a, a military and law enforcement discount, like a 15 percent off uh, the price of camp, uh, because here's the thing. And i love brazilian jiu-jitsu so there's people out there that want to create problems where they're none so let's just get this out there i love right. brazilian jiu-jitsu it is awesome it kicks ass i've it i know people who do i have nothing but respect for it um but sometimes there are other things that are not in the canon of jiu-jitsu that are maybe even better in other situations so for example jiu-jitsu especially brazilian jiu-jitsu By and large, of course, this varies with different practitioners. I'm just covering my ass here so people don't get pissed off. Um, But the fact is, is that a lot of it ends up with your legs around the guy in the guard position if you're being offensive. Right. I am sorry, but in the street with a weapon, you do not want your hips near the other (laughs) man's hips so he can grab your weapon. You don't want to be on your back because you don't know if there's multiple assailants. Gravity works better for the guy on top in these kind of situations because he can. Right bring trash cans down on your head or bounce your head like a basketball.
0: You go for an arm lock and he reaches and gets his knife. and He's stabbing you in the chest while you're trying to get him to tap no, out. No, you don't need <laughs> you know, that, so. dude.
3: You, you start biting. Just yeah. have your guys put on red lipstick. Not because you're a sadistic <laughs> bastard and want to uh, backmail later, but have them put on lipstick and wrestle. And then they come back and they have red all over their body. That's every place they could have been bit. Right. So it's like, I mean <laughs> – that game is a whole, like, that's a whole crazy different level game, and different rules are gonna get an edge. Yeah. And, and, you know, some of the old school, like Sun Tzu and West Point military strategies, make sense. Like, take the high ground, like, don't be underneath. You have the strategic high ground if you're standing and the guy is on the ground. So, you know, that's a long winded way of saying, yeah, a lot of people, a lot of police. Have really enjoyed this because um, there's a lot of work with hammerlocks, positions that get people into some sort of non-lethal situation. You know what I mean? I mean, right? We've already got an epidemic of like, you know, people getting shot without a trial and without a jury and stuff by law enforcement. Yeah. And I'm a fan of law enforcement. I mean, I, I, I almost became LAPD and all that. But there's clearly something going on. Um, and learning how to restrain people, how to pin people without getting uh, bruising them or, you know, bringing a lawsuit on your department that, and that's valuable in my book.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. But, you know, I'm even speaking as far as though, know, non law enforcement, non military, you know, folks every day, like I said, it's getting to the point now, look, let's just be honest. If a situation arises, you know, and you know, how long is it going to take for law enforcement to get oh, there? Dude. You know, if you're in a situation where you, you know, you have some criminal trying to accost you, yeah, you know, well, I mean, you, attack you, right. rob I you, mean, kill I'm, you.
3: I'm not telling you anything you don't know sincere, but also, When you do call law enforcement, they show up. If you happen to have a different or darker pigmentation, you could be innocent, but shit could like roll against you, too. So you in certain
0: situations, you know, especially if you haven't been trained to. Yeah, there's going to be situations. There's going to be some there's going to be some bad apples in the bunch. But there's also certain protocols that you take to make sure that, you know, even when you're making that call to 911, there are certain things you can do to kind of lessen that situation right, from happening. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right,
1: right, And, right. you
0: know, that's one of the things we train we train and try to train people on right off the bat. You know, if you're sitting there, you pull them, a, you know, a guy's trying to take, you know, rob you or whatever, and you shoot the guy. And you call 911. You need to describe yourself as well and say, I'm the victim of the crime. I look like this. I'm dressed like right. this. I am illegally, you know, carrying... so the, the more and more information you give, the less likely some stuff is going to happen. Yeah. You know, so it's, that's, that's the, the one thing stuff about it. You so.
3: taught in these self-defense courses, because, you know, it's funny. I, ask, I, ask, I always ask these like guys who are like a thousand times better than I am or I'll ever be like, you know, like these Wade and Josh Barnett's and I asked uh, Fujiwara one time you know what do you think about self-defense or whatever and he you know he said listen that's all cool and you probably you do wrestling's great because you're gonna learn how to handle yourself and how to control another human body and stuff but i mean ultimately if it's a fight fight and here's a guy who by the way the 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 godfather the the yakuza you know the mafia in japan he's called the godfather is called kumicho well kumicho calls fujiwara kumicho So this is a guy who's, like, for real, right? Right. And he always told me, I I asked him about (laughs) self-defense, and he's, like, and and again, he cornered Inoki and, like, trained, you know, Frank Shamrock and all these other guys. But my point is, is that I asked him about self-defense, and he said, listen, wrestling's good because you're going to do better than a non-wrestler. But, you know, if you really want to manage your risk, you need to get a good pair of running shoes or, you know. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes
2: sometimes <laughs> sprinting's
3: the best self defense you can you can apply. <laughs>
2: it's like man, this guy, this, it's like three overweight attackers coming here. I bet I could run myself out of the situation. <laughs> <laughs> right. Did we just lose him again. I think we lost him. No, no, I'm here. Oh, you're still here. Okay. Well, start, okay. We'll, we'll keep talking, man. You're the guest.
3: Oh.
1: Well,
3: <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, yeah. I mean. I love the sport and you know, the whole wrestling thing has been really good to me and you know, it's got me great friends like you and, and, and new friends like sincere and all that. And it's just been, it's been a hell of a ride and I just really grateful because man, I mean, it's just crazy to think cause you know, it's like I have all these other things I've done, but it's like wrestling just keeps popping up, you know, in my life and, and I'm just really grateful to be able to, to eke by a living, working with people that you know are uh, that are also supporters of the of the sport.
2: Oh, it's cool when you follow your interests and stay honest to your interests, as you have. Because I think about all the people, all the strength coaches that I was a big fan of before I got into the business, and I know all of those people now, and they know who I am, and I've worked with most of those people. So right, uh, so I can I can relate to what you're saying quite a bit because there was a time where I was just reading their books over and over again, and I didn't have any inclination that I would someday know who these people are or work with these people, right. and that's happened throughout my fitness career. So it's, it's 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 a lot of times you're sitting there, you're like, man, I can't believe this is happening. And that's a cool feeling. That's something that a lot of people should pursue.
3: Well, and and you know, to to know guys like you that are you know so on top of of what they do, and are really trying to make the physical game a smart game. That it, that, it, uh, that the physical game isn't doesn't mean that you can't really apply some science and, and you know, really make it work. I mean I, that's what I love about – the great thing about the internet is you can find these little pockets of people like that, like you and, and
2: Sincere and stuff. It's great. Yeah, the internet can definitely be used as a tool, like this galvanizing tool. Where you can create these mastermind type situations.
0: Yeah, that's really what the whole point of this. Without podcast having to pay, is. without having to pay ten thousand dollars to be in a mastermind with somebody who really doesn't right. even know you or care about
2: you. <laughs> right, right. You
0: know, another one of the biggest scams that have been going on in this internet marketing world.
2: Yeah, people people don't really understand the whole concept of mastermind as it was conveyed in Think and Grow Rich. Right. It was exactly. similar-minded people getting together. And supporting each other's goals. It's not. It's not something where there's a membership fee and you're paying to talk to these people and all that. So now people are trying to create mastermind groups where you're paying someone a lot of money, and then you'll get a little bit snippet of advice. It's like that's. It's, this, this wasn't meant to be some commercialized tool where you're just making money off of, of people's naivete.
3: Right. It's like everybody wants a guru or something, and it's like you know. The, I, I'm totally with you on on the original definition because you're just getting together with people who are like minded, and trading information information is a mutually beneficial thing. Instead of one person as a guru and everybody throwing well, that's the
2: key word: mutual beneficial. Sometimes people are just leeches, right? They want to meet up with you, and it's just them bombarding you. It's like, well, what are you offering that person?
3: Right. And that in that yeah, case, so- it's okay to charge them, in my opinion.
0: Exactly. <laughs> that that
3: that's Someone, a that's, that's called
0: a, but that's called a consultation at that right. or, you know, or that's that's a course, that's a seminar. Right. You know, it may be one on one or whatever else, but that's not a mastermind. You know, you a mastermind is like, okay, you these like minded individuals, but you're also you're also trading ideas, but you're also keeping each other accountable. So yep. you kinda you want these folks to kind of you want them to do well. So therefore you're when you're being successful, you're not the one that's the t- stereotypical being the guy that's lonely at the top. Okay, because yeah, one thing about it, there's only a minute few that actually push the boundaries, push the envelope to get to be successful. But the thing about it, I don't care what anyone says, at the end of the day, you don't want to be the last man standing, the only one there, <laughs> just in there like, oh well, there's no one here. But at the same time, you don't want a bunch of leeches also sucking, just trying you know, to suck you and don't want to be and a nuisance.
2: Dry. Networker, where you're just calling people up saying, oh, I wanted to get together with you to pick your brain about pick something. I hate brain. that phrase, pick your brain. I pick my ass, How about <laughs> <Yeah>. that? <laughs> you're not going to pick my brain or any other part
3: of you, buddy. That's right. you know? and I think that's I think that's what athletes. I think that's what athletes have to do. You have to at least be business minded enough to think about, you know what? I've spent flipping years and broken bones and gallons of sweat learning this shit. And I'm excited about it. I mean, I love it. But I got to learn to zip my lip and make a living out of it because I can't push my body that long forever. You know, I mean, I hit 40. I'm going to start breaking down.
0: So just talking about this a couple episodes
3: ago. So how do you stay in the game? And, you know, you hope that the young guys coming up aren't just a bunch of meatheads that just want an outlet for aggression, but they're looking at this as a real thing and and as a knowledge institution and kind of like, you know, like Native American knowledge, you know, or like how Ireland was for like 900 years under British rule where it's like word of mouth, you know, you pass it from one generation to another and it's like a rite of passage and there's this information and each generation adds something or tweaks it, but the the kernel stays the the, the same, you know, like, I don't know. I mean, I got a bunch of weird ideas. I guess they probably stop me from making more money, but whatever.
2: Yeah, it's, it's not always easy to find the balance. You know, on one hand, you don't, you don't want to give everything away for free where, like you said, you can't make a living doing what you enjoy. And at the same time, right. some, some people tend to monetize everything they do to the right. point where it's just overly pedantic <laughs> to say the least.
3: Yeah, one of, one of the people that we both know from back in the day. I mean, he was selling people how to take a shit or something from an you know ancient Chinese kung fu fucking how to take a shit. Just sixty nine bucks, and it's like, dude, whoa,
0: seriously? Convenient. Convenient. It was sixty nine
3: bucks. Or whatever. <laughs> whatever. But but, dude, like. Seriously, you don't need to teach people to take a shit. Your body will do that if you eat enough food. You know, like you don't. There's no
0: less doing this since day one. actually. Fuck. Yeah, that's uh, that's some
2: serious gut issues right there, and I doubt the solution to those is in that book. And if you if that's a problem <laughs> you have, it's time to get a real professional to do some work. Up. A- yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> you, don't, you don't need some ancient techniques on it. You need some modern techniques on what's going on. You know? <laughs> I, know, I know what you mean, though. And, and, that, and that's what I'm talking about. But we're kind of in the information dissemination age where there's there's more free information than ever before. And a lot of it's crap, but a lot of it's really good too. So now the challenge becomes how do you discern the good from the bad? And I think that's where professional input can be really useful. You can be someone's guide through all of that. And that's something that people should be prepared to pay for because you're saving someone a lot of time.
3: Well, I think, I think where it comes in is this, is like how do you vet? the bullshit. Right. And usually, at least in athletics for me, what I found is competition. That's how you determine if somebody's talking shit or not. Right. And that's what I liked about the UFC. I mean, they're like, okay, yeah, that's
2: true. Yeah.
3: Karate, you say the shit and, uh, sumo, you say the shit. Okay, go, (laughs) you know, kill each other. And you see who's standing at the end and you get statistics generated and things like that. And you get, like the bullshit stripped away in, in the moment of competition with two people really working hard to win. And then fortunately those winners or people who've helped those winners become coaches, you know, and those coaches can help pass on that information so that you can continue that tradition of testing and refining and making sure, you know, stuff's tight and the best there's money in that.
2: Yeah. That's a good point that there's, there's the truth is always in the performance. And that can be applied to the fitness industry as well. If there's a program on how to improve your deadlift, okay, where who's had results with this? What did you? Yeah, get out bust
3: of out this? my spreadsheet here. I'm going to do your program. I bust out my spreadsheet. My lift, my personal best is here. And at the end of ten weeks, my personal best is here. Did it work? As you know, I mean, that, yeah, you can test it. Yeah, you
2: can quantify those things. You're not going to just say, "Oh, I, I felt stronger." <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I, I think I lifted more than when I started.
3: But some ability. people were into that too. not everybody is into the competition aspect. I mean I just try to be inclusive, but you know, if people try to bullshit me, I just try to be like, well, you know, I think at least to some people in the world proof and evidence and you know, backing up claims and stuff. It's easy to make a, a claim or you know, blame somebody. Well, I mean,
2: in business as well, right? People, people come to you and go, "Oh, this is going to We'll easily make this much off of this. It's like, okay, based on what? Right. And first of all, whenever someone says easily, right there, they've already lost me because it's not e- nothing. Mm-hmm. N- right. Making money is not easy. You know, building a business is not easy. Promoting a workshop is not easy. None of this stuff is easy. It's very difficult. In fact, why most people fail at it. So whenever someone says, "Oh, this is going to be easy. Oh, we'll definitely get a hundred people in the room," based on what? That the fact that you've done that before
0: right or the fact that you just said it <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> you, you want know, some the secret type stuff just because you threw it out there that's what's going to happen <laughs> right <Come> on, <laughs>
3: yeah the secret is great but that's just the goal setting part man you got to fucking do all the work now well that's the part they left
2: out of the book right <laughs> that was that, the secret yeah, that, right is, that is
3: the
0: secret <laughs> the secret is the secret is not in this book
2: <laughs> <laughs> that's the next book exactly. so we, we want right. you to read the, the next book is the hard work aspect well, you know, that's what most seminar that's what most success seminars rely upon is trying to delude people into believing that you can somehow bypass hard work and suffering to get to your goal. And that's why most people go to these seminars like, man, if I just know this, I can get from point A to point B in this one seamless trajectory. And it just doesn't work that way. I don't care what you know.
3: Yeah, most of these like seminars and stuff like that, they just To me, they are the same function as the cheerleaders on the side of the field. Like, okay, yeah, you're motivating me. Okay, (laughs) off. You know?
0: It's not the cheers that's motivating me Right, either. right. <laughs> I think it's
3: just, yeah, you motivate
0: me. I know by being third string, you could probably care less about me, so I'm going to bust my ass so I can be first string, because that's the guy you're paying attention right, to. But th- th- those shorts might, are not that short for, for nothing,
1: man. <laughs> <laughs> no.
0: so,
2: there's
0: a reason why you're not there in a turtleneck. They're, they're, gotcha. they're not wearing a burka on the sidelines.
3: You know? <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, it's just right? Because when it comes Gosh. down to it, are they going to teach you how to fucking catch a pass? Or are they going to teach right. you how to fucking... Deal I mean, you know, like get hit, like the fucking cool. Awesome. You're getting me like excited. I'm about to get my ass kicked and I need some real fucking information here. Not just rah, rah.
2: Well, I mean, if we went to the gym and there's people cheering for you at every workout, that's that's not going to be useful if you're not if you're not applying an effective workout strategy.
0: Right. Distracting itself. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I'm trying to get in the zone. Like, come on, you can do it during your warm up sets. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you got this sincere. Like, yeah, I know. I'm just, I'm warming <laughs> now, you up. Made that okay. look easy. It's like, yeah, it's my warm up, man. Supposed to be. easy. <laughs>
2: it's ten percent of my one rep max. What do you expect? No, but some so of these, like Tony Robbins numbers, like we're gonna walk across hot coals to, to show you how to break through mental barriers. It's like, okay, the only thing I got out of that
0: is my feet are burning all night. You know? <laughs> well, tell me, Tony, that's great if I actually live like, and I don't know, Djibouti or something like that, right. and my car broke down. Right. You know, in the middle of the desert. <laughs> <in the> desert, <laughs> But, but see, see, seeing that I have shoes, first of all, to my, and a functioning car, I have no reason to walk across some freaking hot cold.
2: Well, I mean, Mark Fellopi <laughs> gave me the best advice when it comes to psyching yourself up for maximum weightlifting, right? So, deadlift PR, for example. He goes, look, don't go into it thinking that it's going to be easy. Go into it. As if this is going to be really difficult, so you're primed, you're focused, you're ready to go. And then when you pull the bar off the ground, if you hit a sticking point, you don't just cave. You don't just give up. You're not in shock. Like, whoa, this was supposed to be easy. And and then it isn't, so you just (laughs) give up immediately. And that's good advice for really anything you do, whether it's starting a business, promoting a a seminar, whatever it is, learning a new skill set. Going into it as if it's it's like somehow it's just going to be easy to pull these things off is, is you're going to be demoralized really fast.
0: Hey man, just like the saying goes, the only time success comes before work is in the dictionary. Okay, so it's not gonna be easy. You gotta put in the work, man. True. You gotta work your way toward yeah. it.
2: Yeah, dipshit becomes comes before hard work as well. <laughs> you know <what> <laughs> <And> dumbass.
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs>
3: so hey man, what do you have? What do you have coming on the horizon, Jake? Well, so this year. I'm really kind of pushing this uh, pin and submit training camp with Wade and Josh. Um, we're setting up right now. We've got dates set up in England. We've got dates set up in Denver in where else? LA. Where,
2: where, whereabouts Florida? in England, London.
3: Yeah, we've got one date in London. We'll probably have another one up uh, in the Midlands, like the middle of the country. Yeah, in sure. Dalton,
2: yep. Yeah. I've taught there before.
3: Cool. We may have, to push that right now that's our lead uh seminar but we may actually put that to the end of the seminar it's just kind of a pain in the butt to get all everybody over there and anyway so those are the dates the the u.s dates are firm we're still kind of thinking about the the england the uk dates we're going to do at the beginning or the end but anyway we're in fort lauderdale denver and uh and la and we've had interest from like austin texas and these other places but You know, I mean, it's it's expensive. You know, I got to buy buy plane tickets, hotel for at least three people. Yeah, I got to pay their professional fees. I mean, this stuff is expensive. And, you know, it's easy to ask, but nobody wants to, you know, take the financial risk with us. So (laughs) no no surprise there. Surprise. (laughs) So so those are the ones that we got secured. I've already got bookings uh, at all of those. Uh, all the U.S. states are, are firm. The U.K. is the ones that we're playing with right now. We may have to push that to, like, October. But if the, if you go to pinandsubmit.com, okay. I mean, just to check out both Josh and Wade's credentials, it's worth two seconds because these are just two human beings. that I don't think that most people, even, like, smart people in the fight game, they'll know Josh because he's really high profile. But guys like Wade and, I mean, Wade is like – I mean, he, the guy is, like – a genius you know what i mean it's like isaac newton or or einstein it's just amazing it's just in the in the physical field so that's kind of my my big thing i do um otis and i otis over torque athletic we are like i mentioned earlier working on a on a uh an affordable line of mace spells starter mace bells so people can get in start swinging um and then if they dig it they can step up to our our premium line it's been the same since 2006 i mean the design is just Outstanding. And then you and that's have, you have, you about have it. training.
2: You have training videos at Scientific Wrestling as well, and there's YouTube clips right. on the May Spell.
3: Yeah, yeah. So if if anybody's interested in learning more about all this weird crap that i kind of went on tangents and and thank you for for enduring that guys uh
2: but uh, we're we're tangent specialists man that's what the show's <laughs> all about <laughs> we, we encourage I tangents you,
3: when you guys were talking all the the metal and the bands and all that the supergroups, i knew i'd be okay at the beginning. <laughs> uh, yeah. a lot of
2: times that's why we do that because it puts our guests at ease when they hear how we talk to each other they're like okay this is going to be cool
3: yeah, that was awesome. That was awesome. So, but uh to your, to to just finish up the answer, yeah, scientificwrestling.com. Just one word. You go there, we've got you know, you want to learn how to strangle somebody or break their neck or break their ankles <laughs> or something. We got,
2: yeah. We got, I, have a, I have a good friend who might
3: be interested in that part right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, scientificwrestling.com. And I really appreciate you guys spending the time with me too. Oh man, it's great to have
2: you on. It's great to great to, great to reconnect you. and Good stuff. I think, uh, I think we, got, we got to get Otis from Torque Athletic on the show, too. I haven't talked to that guy in a long time. That'll be really interesting. And we have Frank Shamrock coming back. Actually, <laughs> coming back. He, fl- he flaked on us last time. So he's <laughs> I was <laughs> like, really? I was like, did I miss an episode? <laughs> he's coming. We have him scheduled for May as well, so that'll be cool to connect with him.
3: Yeah, Frank is a really nice guy. He's a really nice guy. But yeah, Otis would be a great show. He's hilarious, too. Yeah, man. That sounds great. Well, hey, man, thanks again. Great talking to you, and I'm sure we'll reconnect soon. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot, Jay. Take care of okay. me.
2: And that's our friend Jake Shannon over at scientificwrestling.com. Make sure to check out his website, check out the Spell. Those seminars sound great. I think.
0: Yeah, you, you know my brains. Yeah, right. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I kept asking, I said, yeah, but the everyday person, I feel like, you know, just from what he's describing <clears throat> and also just kind of some of the things that I've done in my training, where it's like just with gunfighting, you know, and training on that. I see a lot of that could be very beneficial to the everyday citizen. So that's why it got my brain kind of percolating. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the reasons why, you know, I'm starting to, you know, I'm going to start training with, with our good friend, um, Tim Larkin yeah. as well. Uh, actually, I'll be out in Vegas, um, oh, in cool. May training with him. Yeah. What is this target focus training? And, and then the, uh, the way he's got it set up now is just like, it's not just a one-off seminar. It's like, you know, he had the opportunity where you can come and train pretty much for about a year, many times that they, that they had it. So it's going to be opportunities now where I'll be out in Vegas quite a few times, come out there and train with Tim, just really learning this man because I know a lot of this stuff can be very beneficial, not just to myself but also to people that I work with. And you know, in yeah, Tim defense. said he's so. going to
2: be hosting a Spartacus themed party in your honor. That. I'm gonna pass on that one though. You know,
0: that's that's the night you and I would be, you know. Well, I mean that's part, of the, that's cigar part of the course, here. You're not gonna get your certificate. Nope. <laughs> I can do without that piece of paper, man. I'm good. i certificate. <laughs> There's a reason why that show is no longer on the air. Okay?
2: <laughs> oh man, that's great. That's cool, man. Tim's a, Tim's an incredible instructor. His courses are great. So oh, that's yes. gonna be that's gonna be a lot of fun. That sounds really cool. So, okay, we're going to wrap up with honoring some VIPs that have been going above and beyond to support us. So just a few people that have been using that coupon code LLA to get 10% off the best nutrition supplements around and also some of my information products. We have James Walks, Brandon Dirks, William Garcia, John Else, Ryan Propst, Daryl Devana, Scott Horner, Dave Sullivan, Jeff Crosley. John Rosen and Robert Tappan, they've all been using that coupon code LLA to get 10% off. Great products at MikeMoller.com. And anything going on with you, man?
0: Yeah, man, same thing. You can head over to NewWarriorTraining.com, use that same coupon code. Um, big shout out to Michael Barra. Um, who just got his bolsitas for his chariador? I know some of you guys, you know, bought chariadors early in the game, and you know, just to kind of quote Mike, I'm pretty sure your bolsitas look like, oh, uh, yeah, you yeah, start was, it,
2: Mike? My 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 chariador <laughs> sock looked like it was in some Kenyan village for ten years. <laughs> I was looking at it one day. I was like, man, I need to hit up sincere for some new ones. And thank you, by the way, for getting those out. That that was nice. That, no that no was problem, a nice man. change. I actually <laughs> made some coffee this morning using a blend that a, a good friend of mine made. He came out with his own coffee recently. He's coming on the show next month. Paul Tabone, he has a a coffee called Angry Joe, and you can check it out at angryjoe.co. So it's not .com. It's just angryjoe.co. And really interesting guy. He's a very elite power lifter. There's a clip of him squatting 700 pounds hands-free on YouTube. So he, he unracked 700 pounds, puts his hands down by his side. So it's just a bar balanced on his back, does a full squat, bam. <laughs> you know, the guys, the guys, a beast, man. But he's come out with some of his own coffee formulas. He has one that's just coffee. You'll really like the coffee. He's, he's he he describes himself as a coffee snob. I'm like, "Okay, well, we have to get you on the show because I have a good friend, my good friend and my co-host is a coffee snob. Like I happen to know one of those <laughs> yeah. type of people. You guys you guys will have a good conversation. I know one of those people. <laughs> you guys you guys will have a good conversation. So he has he has some coffee that's just straight up coffee. Then he has other ones that are infused with other things like your bean and one with branched chain amino acids. Really interesting stuff. So we'll talk to him more
0: next month. But yeah, folks, you know, you can go over there and uh, go to New Warrior Training and get your trio door and get a three pack of both seats while you're there. So therefore you at least cover for about a year if you take yeah. care of them. So and I have all the instructions actually over there on the page, on the purchase page, how to care for For your bolsita and your charia and all that so you don't have to sit there and use the same one for like two years or whatever and actually i would suggest against that because (laughs) you'll start changing the quality of the flavor of your coffee you know when you do that but Taking care of it, like washing the bocetas is really, really easy, man. All you just need is some, some water, some warm water and some salt. Okay. It's just really okay. that simple. Yeah. And, um, and I suggest, like, if you use it on the regular, like, I'll, I'll clean mine pretty much. Like, sometimes I might use mine like two or three times a yeah, yeah, day. Yeah. Yeah. Be chill. Cause I'll just make it by the cup. So therefore, I, by the end of the day, I'll go ahead and clean it. I'll clean the seats at the end of the day. Cause. Yeah, uh, cuz otherwise it'll catch up and then you start tasting different flavors like wait a minute this is <laughs> this is not Kenya 2A anymore. Yeah, right? we co- have coffee residue <laughs> from something last year. No. Exactly. And 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 don't get me don't get me wrong. I mean, those oils that tend to build up also do enhance the flavor of your coffee as well, but after a while you know, it's time to change that oil, <laughs> you know, so I was thinking, that oil is going to get a little, a little funky about a year or two later. So, yeah, so I had those over there. And if you notice, Mike, the size of them changed yeah. a little bit because there's a new batch of uh Cherea doors coming out. And so those are not as tall, but they're not as small as, e- as well. So therefore, one of the biggest issues with the old bolsitas, they were so long. So if someone had a tall mug, of coffee. Because some people really need their coffee. They want to almost have a 40 ounce of coffee <laughs> in the morning. So a lot of times, you know, it would sit there and the bolsita would just dip all the way through the cup. And so then therefore I'm taking a cup away from the bolsita and make a big mess or whatever else. So it's a lot better with this size of the bolsitas I have now because it also makes sure that you get your dosage just right as far as how much coffee you put in there instead of putting, because you know, if people think like, well, you know, since there's nothing wrong with adding more. So if they have that big, giant bowl seat, they think like, let me go ahead and buy four tablespoons of coffee. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> that's a lot of freaking coffee. Well, <laughs> I had enough room for it. Why not? No, don't. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Okay, just remember. That. So yeah, man. So you got that and you got the DVDs, you got the ebooks, all that stuff is over at newwarriortraining.com. And also, you know, our VIPs over at patreon.com who support our show on a monthly basis with a donation of $5 or more. We appreciate that. You can do the same by heading over to patreon.com com slash lla podcast and last but not least head over to iTunes Stitcher TuneIn uh, SoundCloud hell even even on YouTube because the podcast is over there as well you know go there you can rate review leave comments share the episode all that great stuff get the word out there let the folks know about the LLA show there you go all
2: right that'll do it we'll be back next week with another great guest take care everyone
0: take care folks.